Wait, Did you that? see that? <laughs> what? Yeah. What is this? What? Oh my gosh, what's going on? No, no. This is the part that's scary because nothing's happening. <laughs> oh! Oh my gosh. No! No! That was scary. That was scary. That was scary. It's time for girls and ghouls. Okay, let's talk about it. gonna start at some point okay <laughs> this has been oh my gosh just so much <laughs> funny stuff has happened <laughs> so many things so many funny things <clears throat> guys if you have not well we didn't have it last time we wait are we recording Instagram. already <laughs> yeah <laughs> no idea i just started yeah um if you, okay, last week or whenever we posted the first episode, I don't even know when it went up, honestly. <clears throat> so we're on iTunes now. We're on Stitcher now. We have the Instagrams now and the Facebook group we had. So we're girls and ghouls on Instagram. <clears throat> and uh, if you're not in our Facebook group or following us on Instagram, you may have missed it, but we <laughs> shared the funniest video. <laughs> demonic toaster and it's my favorite thing on the internet right now it's hilarious that sweet woman june (laughs) (laughs) it's literally the best story i feel like we need to cover it i feel like it's important it needs to be we need to to reach out to miss june and have her demonstrate the demonic toaster yeah it's pretty awesome and i feel like we need to test it because she says it makes really good toast so I mean, that's why she keeps it. If you're toasting bread with hellfire, I mean, why not? It's probably amazing. (laughs) It's very, very toasted. I would imagine it's a little spicy even. A little spicy. Got a little kick to it. A little fire. A little thing. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's awesome. Evenly toasted. It's evenly toasted. Evenly Evenly blackened. I mean, you saw the sample that she had. Yeah. Where it said Satan lives. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Satan lives. Oh, Lord. (laughs) It just just gets me. It's so funny. It's so funny. And then our friend Brent shared. (laughs) She shared something with us, too. And I put it up on Instagram, too, because it's really funny. Mm Mm-hmm. It says, it says, how come when a house is haunted, it's always a ghost from the 1700s? Imagine a ghost from, I can't even read it. Imagine, shut up, I gotta read it. Imagine a ghost from 2007 screaming, it's Brittany, bitch, at 3 a.m. <laughs> this brings up oh. some valid questions. Valid I questions. Mean, well, first of all, Brittany's not dead. She's not dead, but I mean, like, where's Tupac? But I'm sure s- some of her fans are, right? Like, there's probably some Brittany fans who, who are no longer living, and yeah. they're stuck in the 
In the in-between? In the in-between. Do you know what I want to know? Where are the mammoth ghosts? Where are they? There are no mammoth ghosts. (sighs) There are no mammoth ghosts. There's no T-Rex ghosts. I mean, I want some T-Rex ghosts. But they have small arms. Big heads, small arms. You don't think you thought this through. (laughs) (laughs) This is why we're friends. Oh, but I mean, it's legit though. Why are the only haunted things people, right? Why don't we have like dogs and cats running around that are ghost dogs and ghost cats? I don't know. I mean, I think that I think that there are ghost dogs and cats because I've heard stories. You know, people are like, I swear, I still see little Bobby Rex puppy dog. (laughs) That's the dog's name. Running around the house after his tragic incident with the tractor. <laughs> you know, you know the stories. Isn't that like a country song? I'm sure it is. It's, it's got to be. If it's not, we'll make one. We're going to make one. Little Bobby Rex puppy dog. <laughs> got run over by a tractor. Unfortunately. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> and then we'll go like Garth Brooks style and, you know, thunders and, you know, scary story. <laughs> scary. Scary Bobby Rex puppy dog. <laughs> <laughs> he's mad at his master, so he's bringing the tractor back with him. <laughs> That's it. A little bit too ridiculous. That's it. No, that oh was my the episode. There's our ghost story. The dog is. There we go. You're welcome. Bye. Just kidding. Bye. <clears throat> so, um, we had such great response to our first episode. We're really excited that you guys loved it because we really love doing this. Yes. Um, it's kind of all we're talking about and thinking about lately. Yes. Which <laughs> to my husband. Yeah. So, um. Well, your husband even liked it. He loved it. He loved it. But I sit there and I'm like, John, John, listen, listen, you've got to hear this story. And I'll tell him and he'll go, he'll be like, oh, okay. Did you do any work today? I'm like, yes. <laughs> I sent like an email. I researched ghost stories. I did this. Yeah. That's, yeah. This is it. Don't we've you know been, this is my we've life? Been, we've been kind of fortunate because this week for like business stuff has been pretty slow, thankfully, because January, I mean, January was insane. It was. I was tired. And yeah, I was very tired. And this week was really the first week that we didn't really have a whole lot going on. And both of us just really embraced it. So we've been watching a lot of like videos and research and stuff for ghost stories. And it's been awesome. Not sleeping. It's been good. It's been good. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you not sleeping? Are you scared? No. My gosh, what what do I look like to you? No, I'm. It, it's been fine. Okay, listen. It was just one episode of this show I watched. Look, yeah, look. <laughs> it's just one episode look. of the show I watched, and like I can handle stuff pretty well. But they decided they were like, we're going to show you the most terrifying thing you've ever seen. I don't know why it freaked me out, but now every time I wake up, I'm like, is there a man there? And there is, but it's my oh, husband. Good Lord. But, I mean, like I expect him there. <laughs> I can't even explain it. <laughs> I can't even explain. I freaked myself 
myself out. Like, honestly, the research part of it, it doesn't bother me when I'm doing it, but it does affect my day to day. I'll be honest, because now I'm a little paranoid. You're like, wait, who's watching? And well, you'll hear stuff. Oh, yeah. you know, like you'll just hear this random sound and you're like, what? what was that? Like just the night before last, Mark and I were sitting in the living room watching TV and we heard something fall. Oh. And I was like, oh. What was that? And he looks at me and he goes, it was a ghost, jokingly. Because my husband's like the biggest skeptic in the so world. And I kind of did that nervous laugh. Where I was like, ha, ha, ha. yep. And I got up and checked it out. And it was just like a ghost. an empty water bottle falling out of the recycle bin. Wait but a minute. How did it fall? Wait a minute. Did a ghost knock it out? That's, I mean, I feel like that's what it is. You've got an evil anti-green ghost possessing he's like damn the environment (laughs) screw this freaking plastic bottle yeah i would freak out if i went out into my garage and like our the like entire contents of our recycle bin are just floating around (laughs) like well i'm not doing the recycling this week so um just so everyone knows we're no longer a green family i wouldn't necessarily call myself a green family anyway so i mean we try. We try. We, we, we but get an A for effort. Yes. We try, but I have too many children to like monitor everything that goes into the trash can. So you know. Mark, like he reads the label on everything he throws away. That's a man thing. And then if there's, if there's something that says it's recyclable, but it's got food stuck to it. He's like, well, can I put this in there? I'm like, well, you have to wash it. And he's like, nope. <laughs> Okay, so So that's about how good we are. Mark and I are about the same. John will like hand wash everything and like pull the labels off and like it's super organized. And I'm like, wait, work? No. I just had to open Mm -hmm. that can to dump in the pot. Like that was enough work for me. (laughs) I'm done. That's enough. I'm not rinsing the crap out of it. It's like corn. I don't need to rinse it. But I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure that John would like file down the sharp edges and stuff too just to be nice if they were to tell him if they were like we cut our fingers sometimes he'd be like oh my god let me fix that for you because that's just the type of person he is <laughs> i mean it's nice but does he even like rinse out like the spaghetti sauce mm-hmm. jars like the glass jars yeah because i throw those away i really should take the time to rinse them out and recycle that glass but i just do don't. you know what he does and it, it always it, it almost it almost angers me because it reminds me of how bad of a person I am. He will wash the peanut butter jars out. Oh, that's some serious patience right there. I know. Right? I have a hard enough time just rinsing off the butter knife I use to spread the peanut right? butter. But he'll wash it. I can't imagine cleaning out an entire jar of peanut butter. Yep, he'll wash it. That sounds like torture. It, he seems to enjoy himself. I mean, he's never like, man, my life sucks from washing this peanut butter jar. And he continues to do it, even though I'm like, listen, Jesus will still love you if you throw this in the trash can. <laughs> like, it's not nice. Like, it's not nice. Okay. Well, I guess I'm just not a nice person. I'm Skeletor today. It's fine. <laughs> Did you see the gift that I shared? Which one? With Skeletor? I am not nice. I think it was Skeletor. I just wanted to be evil. No, it says I am it says I am welcome to the internet. I will be your guide. And uh, it's him sitting in a like oh, on a throne. And all these like butterflies and leaves <laughs> and stuff flying around. It's pretty funny. He's got so many good ones. My favorite one is him looking kind of confused, holding I think a dog, and he's like, But I am not nice. 
I'm like, that's me. Someone took a picture of me. And and they cartooned it. <laughs> yep. So you want to go scary? You ready? You ready? You go first this week. Oh, yay. I get to go first this week. Sweet. So I actually debated the story that I'm sharing because – I kept running into dead end after dead end after dead end. And like I reached out to the people involved in the story and had like doors slammed, like virtual doors slammed in my face. I'm not a crazy person. I didn't go to people's houses. Right. But the story is so. Yes, I did. did. I was like, hey, lady, do you have ghosts in there? You got them ghosts. Can I talk to them? (laughs) (laughs) You got ghosts in your bloods. You should do the cocaines about it. Have you seen that? <laughs> Old timey doctors. Oh, <laughs> it's something I saw on like uh, on I forget where it was, but it's somebody tweeted that it must have been amazing to be a doctor in the olden days because they could just be like, "You got ghosts in your blood. You should do ca- cocaine about it. Cocaine about it. Cocaine. <laughs> so yeah, I didn't go to any doors. I wanted to because it was weird, the response I got. And I'm not even going to go into that because, you know, just out of common courtesy here. But weird responses when I did some follow-up on the story. Mm-hmm. But I found the story originally in a newspaper article and then found out that it had a an episode on paranormal – par, listen, I know the English – I know the English words, 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 words. It had an episode on paranormal survivor. Um, So I watched it and was intrigued by it and then continued to read like articles about it and found posts on Facebook about it where people were commenting on it. And I was like, you know what? This story is legit enough for me to share. And you guys can tell me what your opinion is of the story, because it's one of those stories that like I desperately want to be true and not true. Um, and it it really like, it just, it just sucked me in because there are so many facets of it that just like, are like, hmm, hmm. So this haunting takes place in, um, Petersburg. I forget the, it's in Canada, Petersburg, Canada. I don't think that's the name of the city. <laughs> I think it's like Petersburg County or Petersburg Town or something. I don't know. Um, it's in Canada, though, so we don't care. Canadians, we love you, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you got your, like, listen. <laughs> listen, Canada, you're kind of confusing. Like, we have states here, and it's really easy. You just pick one. There's 50. Pick one, <laughs> Yeah. That's how it works. I think that it was. You guys have like provinces, provinces and I'm not counties. I think, this. and I don't. Like, know. I just wasn't. I don't understand. Yeah. While I was taking notes, I gotta be honest. I was less interested in making sure that I had the geography correct and like the the mapping correct, and I was more interested in your your haunted population. So I apologize if you're in Petersburg, wherever the crap this is in Canada. Um. You can email me and correct me, and I will next episode be like, I am so sorry that I've ruined this uh, this story with my, you know, misspeaking of names. So this story is about a lady <laughs> named Nikki Playford. I think that's how you say her last name, too. Because you ever notice in those shows when they put the name up, they don't say the name. They're just like, this is the person. And then you get a little graphic on the bottom of the screen that says, you know, Nikki. And it, it, I mean, her last name could have been pronounced like placebo. 
but it's it was called Playford. <laughs> They're just like, here's her name. You figure, figure it out. out. You got this. But it's about a lady. Good yeah. luck. Yeah, yeah. So it's about a lady named Nikki Playford and her son, Aiden. Um, she's a single mother. And she was looking to get an apartment in her neighborhood, like the neighborhood that she grew up in. Her mom, um, like lives in that lives in the neighborhood still, or lived in the neighborhood still at the time of this story being released. And she found an apartment right around the corner from her mom, and she was like, "This is perfect for me, a single mom with an 11 year old boy at the time. I'm gonna go look into it." She goes to this apartment, which is like like a half house kind of thing. Like there's an upper level, a lower level and the upper level is what she is moving into. Um, so she goes and she signs the lease and immediately upon signing the lease, she starts having nightmares and which is kind of, I feel like, you know, you, you probably brush that stuff off and I should probably clarify. She didn't go like narcoleptic. She went home and went to sleep. Like, she just signed the lease. She didn't, like, like finish signing her name. And just like, man, out. that was a tire, heavy pen. Heavy pen. So what what time, like, what year-ish was this, roughly? Do you know? I do know. Hold on. You know, it was, it, I think this was 2010. I mean, it was, okay, I figured it was fairly recent because you. Yeah, I mean, no, it's. You said her mom is still living. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All yeah, and it's Peterborough. I did write it down. It's Peterborough, Ontario. So there you go, Ontario. There see? you go. So um, the story was released in 2015, but I believe the haunting was supposed to take place in like 2010 or 2012. Um, so pretty recent, pretty gotcha. recent. So she signs this lease. She immediately starts having nightmares about uh going into her bathroom and finding a decapitated female in her bathtub. Ooh. Right. So I probably like, if I were in that position, I would have been like, wow, brain, you're messed up. But I would have like attributed it to like stress or something and been like, I probably need medication or something. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, that's a really <laughs> weird dream to have, but she feels the same way because she says that she's very skeptical of paranormal stuff. Um, so she didn't take it as like a bad omen, even though the nightmare started coming every night, every single night until she moved in. When she moved in, she didn't have the nightmare anymore. She says that kind of like disappeared. So she just wrote it off again, stressful time. She's a single mother. You know, it makes sense. It makes sense. Um, so she's in this apartment and she first starts to notice some activity, but she writes it off as poor workmanship in the house. Um, the first thing she notices is she goes into her bathroom um, to, you know, get ready as the women's do. And she turns around to get a towel and her towel rack is on the floor. And she's like, "Ugh," you know, cause that's really freaking annoying. Right. When your towel rack falls down. So yeah. she fixes it considers, you know, considers it done. Later on, apparently it falls down again. And she's like, how did this happen? And, you know, again, brushes it off as like, well, I'm not a handy person either. Doesn't think much of it. About a week later, she's sitting in her living room and she hears a crash in her kitchen. And in her kitchen, she has one of those hanging pot rack things. And it was on the other side of the room on the floor. It had fallen off the wall, fallen off the wall is what she thought. So she mm -hmm. goes to see like what the damage is. Cause you know, when those screws come out of the wall, they rip half the wall out too. And she's like, am I going to have to call the landlord? 
Am I going to be able to fix it? Lo and behold, the screws are still on the wall, which is... What? Right. That's when she starts to go, hmm, this is kind of weird. So it's like somebody just picked it up off the screws and dropped it. Except that there's no way to pick it up off the screws. It screws directly into the wall. You have to unscrew it to remove it from the wall. Oh, that's even creepier. Right. So she's like, what in the world is going on? But again, she still isn't like convinced that it's anything other than just something, you know, there's the house is older, you know, it's, it's. Got it's got its quirks. It's got its quirks. She's not like spooked yet. I would have been spooked and I would have been kind of mad because like if you can't keep your screwed in pot rack on the wall, you know, where are you going to put your pots? I don't know. So she's still living there. Things are relatively calm. Some bumps, some knocks around the house. Nothing that you would be like, clearly this is a haunting, but definitely starting to be like something isn't quite right. Like things are shifty, things are noisy. And one day she happens to notice that there is a woman on her porch going through her mail. And she's like, what the heck is this crap? She goes out and it's the previous tenant, the woman who used to live in the apartment, looking to see if any mail had been delivered there because she, I guess they don't do mail forwarding. I don't know. Honestly. Okay. But weird, right? Isn't that weird? So she She ends up having a conversation with this girl like, you know, hey, yeah, I'll totally give you – I'll send over your mail if we get it because this girl apparently didn't live far away. Um, But they got into a conversation about why she chose to terminate her lease early because apparently she didn't follow through with like a full lease. She terminated early. And the girl said, "Um, oh, this place is is haunted. This place is haunted. And I couldn't – Just straight up. Just straight up. Straight up. Nothing – Yep, straight up. Um, The tenant's daughter apparently said that she saw a big, scary man in the house. And uh, she told her that things would fall off the walls, things would go missing, people or, or the doorbell would start to ring like incessantly and no one would be there. And it was just like super active. And Nikki was taking all this in and was like, okay weird like probably i think she's probably in that point where like i kind of wish i would have known this before i signed a lease but still being skeptical of paranormal activity is just like well it's fine whatever it's fine so she has another conversation with the neighbor the one who's like attached to her like the lower level to tell her about what the previous tenant had said and the neighbor went oh yeah no we've had like four or five tenants in the house in the past two years because of people thinking that something's wrong with it i mean is that something that you can like i mean i know not everybody believes in that kind of thing but can you at least disclose that there have been some odd things that happen i feel like i feel like you should and i know then I've been told you're supposed to even tell people, like in Pennsylvania at least, if someone's died in a house or an apartment, they're supposed to disclose yeah. that. And I'm to me, or if a crime, any crime has taken place, right. anything like that, they're supposed to disclose all of that. I kind of feel like ghosty things should be included in that clause. And that's what I'm saying. Like they don't even have to call it like a haunting. They just need to disclose like, hey, just for the record, we've had three other tenants move out because they've reported strange things happening. Like things fall off the wall and lights turn on and off and whatever, like just random stuff. And 
let the person, you know, wanting to move in decide if that's, if that's something, that's, something that's going to be scary or if they're like, whatever, whatever. They're, it's they're, they're just fine. weird. Whatever. Yeah. It's fine. We'll deal with it. Yes, exactly. So, so weird. Right. Isn't that weird? So she's all of a sudden like a little bit more nervous about this whole thing. She's like, okay, well, I am getting some of the bumps and stuff, but you know, I'm a tough girl. I can handle this. I got this. I'm a strong, independent woman and I can handle this apartment. Um, <laughs> and, I don't need no ghost man. I don't need no ghost <laughs> man. I got this. So it starts to kind of amp up to the point that uh, the doorbell starts ringing at 11. She said it was 1125, 1130 at night. The doorbell's ringing and she's terrified. You know, single mom, she's by herself. You know, there's no good coming from someone coming to your door at 1130, right? Like, that, there's nothing good there. So she's, like, creeping to her door, you know, ninja style, like, trying to look out. She can't see anyone through the little windows or anything. She's going, who is it? Who is it? There's no answer. And after a little bit, the ringing stops. And she, like, does the – what I feel is the stupid move because I wouldn't I, – I don't feel like I owe anybody any door opening. But when the ringing stops – Is it the, like the whole stupid girl in the scary movie kind yeah, of Yeah, where thing? she like opens the door and look, she like peeked out. No one's there. Uh-uh. Listen, guys, if someone's ringing your doorbell at 11 o'clock at night and they're like ding, 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 like repeatedly ringing your doorbell and, and they're not responding when you're like, who is it? Don't open – the door. The door is not a shield. It's not a shield. <laughs> Look, you call the police, and then if you're like me, you go get your gun. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Don't open the door to check. But she did. You no. open the door. Oh, hey, evil person. Come on in. I'm here alone. Right. Right. It's <laughs> It'll be fun. It's honest to God like that thing that they do in scary movies when people walk in the house and they go, Hello? Is anyone there? And I saw a meme about this where it's like the, the killer's in the kitchen like, hey, oh, I'm in the kitchen. I'm making a sandwich. <laughs> like, yes, I saw that too. And it's also so stupid. But she does. She looks out the door. And luckily for her, there was no murderers or robbers or rapists or anybody. There was nobody. There was nobody there. No one there. This scares her. She's finally, finally, it only took forever. She's finally at the point that I would have been in the beginning. And like, Okay, now I'm scared. Now I'm nervous. She continues to live there, just nervous and scared. She does nothing about it. It isn't until the ESEG crisis <laughs> that she's like, we need help. So this woman, she quit smoking, you know, and good on you. Hi. Nikki, good on you. Like, that's awesome. But to quit smoking, she uh, used an e-cig. And she says in her interviews and all the interviews, she like has it with her at all times. At all times, it's constantly with her. And she set it down on her TV stand to run into the kitchen to do something, came right back out, and it was gone. So she's looking all over, like, did it fall on the floor? Did it like, did I pick it up and I didn't realize I picked it up? She's looking all over the place, tears the house apart. Um, she starts, it's, she spends like an hour looking for it, just ripping her house apart, looking for it. And at this point is irate, you know, cause when you need your nicotine, you need your nicotine. Like you get mad. So she's yelling, like, 
I, I'm, I, she doesn't say what she yelled, but I'm assuming she's in there like, you know, where's my easy? This is ridiculous. Blah, 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 blah. She's yelling, freaking out. And she turns back around to go into the living room and it's in the middle of the floor. Like no way you could have missed it in the middle of the floor. And then she realizes all those stories from the neighbors, from the previous, previous tenants, they're true. Like she can't pretend it's not happening. It's really happening. So she does what any normal person would do. And she posts to social media and is like, I think my apartment is haunted. I don't know what to do. She says she got like almost 500 responses from people. So I want to know what social media platform she posted on. I have a strange feeling it was like Reddit, but I want to find it. Yeah. (laughs) Because I feel like with that kind of response, it's not Facebook, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Because I feel like at least I know my friends on Facebook would be like, okay. Yeah. Okay, weird. (laughs) That would be about it. Have fun with your ghostie. (laughs) Ha ha ha. No, that's true. That's how, I mean, that's just how people are on Facebook, but Reddit, everybody feels a little bit more comfortable to be like, you know, just to say what they want to say. Or Twitter. Twitter. I think Twitter too. They probably could have done maybe. it on Twitter. I think I think people on Twitter would be more responsive yeah, to stuff like maybe. that. So she she has this post on social media looking for help. She wants help because she's she's scared. She's at that point where it is scary to be in her own home and nobody wants to be like that. And she has a medium recommended to her. Now, friends, dear friends, dear friends and loved ones who are tuning in right now, this is the point where I would have said, you know what? Let's just move. It's just an apartment. Mom lives around the corner. We'll go stay with her. It's fine. It's no big deal. The, you know, the landlords obviously know something's up if they've had this many tenants, but no, she decides to go with a medium because they want to reach out and find out what the the haunting, the ghost, the spirit, the energy is. Which I'm sorry. Okay. That's all fine and good. Like if she wants to have a medium come in, but still move out. Right, move out. Like I get it that you want to, you know, do your due diligence and so that other people don't have to deal with this craziness, but move out and then have the medium come in when you're not there. You don't have to be present. present. Amen. Hallelujah. That's what I said. So she has this medium come out, this medium whose name is Shannon. And Shannon comes and she says that she feels a strong male presence in the house. And I'm like, well, obviously it's a male presence if it's going to incessantly ring a doorbell and knock down towel racks. It's clearly a man. Mm-hmm. Um, so she comes out. She says she senses this male presence. And then they also have um, the Peterborough Paranormal Group like the research team come out and do like the science side of this. So we've got the like energy mystical side and then we've got the science side and they're all together and um, they're using something The the paranormal team is using something that we're going to lovingly call a ghost box. Um, something that will, you know, pick up like readings. Now I'm, it's a static box. I know what right. these are. I've seen these on enough right. ghost adventures right. and stuff. Yeah, it's the static box. So basically just a little backstory if you don't know how this works. Basically a static box very rapidly runs through different um, frequ- FM frequencies, mm-hmm. radio frequencies. And so there's no likelihood that it would pick up a voice on any channel because it's going right. through so fast. So all we hear in our ears is just static and so the whole idea is if a voice comes through, it's coming through from another dimension 
because there's no possible way a voice from a frequency right. can actually make it through. There you, so go. There you go. There's this. There, there's what it does. The unfortunate thing is, is that a lot of people believe, and of course, I'm not. I'm not you know, saying yes, and I'm not saying no about what my belief is on this, but they believe that it operates the same way that a Ouija board does and that it like invites things in because you're like sending it abroad because like, hey, I'm here, guys. Talk to me. Let's have a conversation, right? So they've they've got that thing running. The medium is there. They're sitting at a table. The medium is like feeling the energies and clear as day through the, the ghost box. Seriously, that's what we're calling it. It's not a static box. We're calling it a ghost box. Ghostbuster style. They hear the words murder and Aiden, which is her son's name. Oh, right. No. So again, this is the point where I go, you know what, guys, I really, I appreciate you coming. I'm going to go. I'm going to get my kid and we're going to leave. I'm going to go. Um, no, that's not what they do. They continue to sit there because these people are crazy. And, um, the medium asks if there's anything that they know of about a path or train tracks or something. Does that like ring any bells for them? And Nikki goes, oh my gosh, that does. Um, and it turns out that one of Aiden's relatives on his father's side had been murdered on train tracks. And this man's name, I believe, is Rodney. Don't quote me on that because I, I didn't write the names down for him because he's not important. Um, <laughs> sorry, Rodney. You're important, but not in the grand scheme of this. Right. So Rodney was murdered on train tracks. And Rodney, they describe as being someone who is kind of, you know, a guy from the wrong side of the tracks. He got involved in some trouble, um, you know, involved with the law, made some bad choices and was very, very afraid of death. Um, he was afraid that because of his history, he would die and he was going to go to hell and all of that. So very, very fearful. Um, the night that he was brought into the hospital because he was stabbed, um, he wasn't like killed instantly. He was stabbed. So he was brought into the hospital that night. Aiden was also in the hospital. So they go, oh, well, that makes sense because, you know, when his spirit crossed over or when, you know, he died, there was his, you know, relative, and they don't quite explain the relation, you know. They just said it was a relative on the father's side, but they, they knew each other. They loved each other, all that jazz. So the medium believes that he has attached to Aiden. And that the reason those words have come up in the ghost box is because, you know, that's the connection. That's what happened to him. Those are the things that can come out. So... Nikki's like, oh my gosh, you know, he doesn't need to be here. Like, what can we do? So they have a conversation with Rodney. Let him know, like, you don't have to be here. You can, you can go, like, you can leave. They cleanse the house. They do a, the, the sage thing. And the medium says, okay, we've done this. There might be a little bit of activity for a little while, but... It should quiet down. It should be gone. And then she leaves. She goes. As soon as they've done the cleansing, the activity gets about a thousand times worse. Nice. I'm like, good job, guys. <laughs> this was great. Good job. I have to say, like, all the stuff that they found, and you may talk about this, but 
It doesn't explain the stuff that happened to previous tenants. Thank you. This is what I said. This is what I said, especially considering that the previous tenants claimed more activity than what Nikki was experiencing. Nikki experienced some stuff that scared her, but the other tenants talk about a lot more. They say that it was just very active and it must be to have four to five people move out within two years. That's, I mean, that's just my thought process yeah. on this. They send, they, they send the, the, you know, Rodney spirit away. She expects things to get better. Things get violently worse. There's banging in the house. Things are making tons of noise, lots of bumping. Their dog is freaking out. This is a calm dog. Dog is freaking out, barking, growling, just out of control. Not like the dog. Doors start slamming on their own, opening on their own. And Nikki is at this point scared enough that she's like, you know what? The ghost box said my kid's name. I don't want him here. I'm going to send him away. So Aiden gets sent off to her mother's house. And she continues to stay there because (laughs) why not? That's the logical thing to do. Let's stay in the house that all this stuff is happening in, right? So she stays in the house and she calls the medium back and she's like, yo, what's going on here? I thought Rodney was gone. And the medium says, well, yes, Rodney's gone. But there's something else in your house, and I'm not able to really do anything about that because I only handle this type of energy, and what's in your house is not that. So she gives some instructions. She says, hey, you know, start putting salt in your doorways to keep whatever it is from moving around. And I don't know if you guys have heard this. This is a, I mean, everybody talks about this. Like it's a very like, I feel like it's very like voodoo, hoodoo kind of thing. You put salt in front of doors. It's like brick dust, you know? Um, But they say it's a way to keep, like you put a line of salt on the ground and it keeps the spirit contained. So, so spirits and slugs are are related related somehow. somehow. (laughs) It's a, you know, a distant relation, but they are related somehow. So she goes ahead and she does this. She salts like the front door and she salts the kitchen. And then she goes to Aiden's door and Aiden's door is closed. And she's like, wait, I didn't close this door. This was opened. So she goes to open the door to salt in front of the door. And as she opens the door, she is physically shoved backwards and the door is slammed like in her face. Hell no. Bah. That's what I said. I was like, yep. Burn the house down. Time to be done. Time to be done. We're done. done. (laughs) So she calls the medium again and is just like, listen, like this is really bad. And the salt's not working because I can't really salt in front. You can't salt in front of the door if you're not even able to open the door. And it's her son's room, which makes it so much worse. So the medium says, listen, okay, I've got you. Like I hear you. And I'm definitely paraphrasing these conversations. I'm sure she was like, okay, so this is what we're going to (laughs) do. But she says, I have a solution. You know, I'm going to bring my daughter with me. And my daughter is um, much more aware of negative energies and you have a negative energy in your house. So the daughter, by the way, I was expecting when I looked up this girl that because, you know, we're daughter with negative energy specialty. I expected something like, I don't know, like Elvira. I don't know. (laughs) And it's like very like meek, (laughs) demure looking girl. She's very sweet looking. She looks way younger than what she is. Um, But they go to the house and... The daughter, Chelsea, Kelsey, Chelsea, 
daughter. She says it's like walking into a wall because there's something so heavy and so strong in the house, something so negative that she's never in her entire life encountered. And even the medium Shannon, the one that was there originally says that it's a sensation and a feeling she's never once experienced before in her life. So they come into the house and they realize that this is not a person. This is not like, you know, bad dude murdered his family and now they got to send him away. This is bigger than that. This is worse than that. And they come to the conclusion that the reason that the activity was so bad was because Rodney, or the reason that it got so bad is because Rodney was actually there trying to protect them. That was his way of making up for all the things that he had done wrong in his life. He was protecting them. And they sent him away. They sent him away. And because this entity was being restrained, it was really mad. (laughs) It was ticked. So they start to do not a cleansing, but almost an exorcism of the house. And they're praying and they say that smoke started to fill the room up and they saw a shadow kind of creeping up the wall. Only it was not on the wall. It was like dimensional. And the shadow looked like a large, scary male figure that was winged, like gargoyle style. <gasps> oh my God. Now, obviously, this is, that would, that'd be pretty scary. That'd be pretty scary. So they're like, okay, let's double our efforts. So they're all there praying. The lights are flashing. The house is like going nuts. There's noise and they decide to take it a step further. And they're like, we need help. We need angelic assistance. Please, you know, help us, you know, rid this house of the evil, blah, blah, blah. And then they said that they saw something that they've never seen before and that they've done, they've done exorcisms, they've done cleansings, um, not to this extent, but this was something they'd never once encountered. They said a white light filled the room and a struggle ensued as they were praying and that the dark figure was drug from the room by this white light. And then as soon as it was pulled out, everything stopped and it was just silence. There hasn't been activity in that house since that day. It's completely calm now. So the story, super powerful. And a lot of people are skeptical of it because it's, you know, it's not like there was no one like murdered there. You know, it's not like, it's not like the, the traditional haunting story, right? And there's been a lot of speculation. But when I was going through articles, there were people who were commenting on these articles on Facebook and on the newspaper article saying, uh, one in particular said, I know this young woman, her, her story was gruesome and scary. Another person said, oh, I actually have been in that house before she lived there and it was never quite right. You could feel that it was never quite right. But now the house is a normal house. It feels like a normal place to be. And as far as I know, like, I mean, I don't know if Nikki still lives there, but it has a resident and there have been no complaints. Now, when I reached out to some of the people that would know about the story, I had immediate shutdown. Like, I don't want to talk about this story. I don't want to talk about it. 
which makes me go, either they're scared to death, <laughs> which is what I would be. And they're like, I don't want to play with that anymore. You know, I don't want to invite that back in. Um, or they're just probably tired of hearing about it. Because I did hear that there was a lot of speculation about the validity of it. I That's terrifying. Think Right, exactly. It's terrifying enough for me to say, okay, I'm not going to, I would not take any of the steps that they took. I would have been gone in the beginning. Um, but you do you, girlfriend. <laughs> you do you. And, and they eradicated and they it. Did. So they got rid of it, which is great. Good for them. But holy crap. Mm-hmm. So that's the, that's what I got. I kept sitting here, like the whole time you're telling the story, I'm sitting here like, okay. I mean, it's things that go bump in the night and I get it and whatnot. But then you get to that part. <sighs> With the guy with the the dark shadow with the wings and oh my god, mm-hmm. that's freaky. And that's the part of the story. That's I think that's why the story kind of stuck with me and why I've been so hung up on it because that's a part that I've never, I haven't really read in any other haunting story um, about a like, it's like spiritual warfare, you know. Um, I mm-hmm. haven't read a lot of that, and it was like a Frank Peretti book come to life. Um, and to see that this is someone who she says she, I mean, she said, if I weren't living this, I would be, I would think I was crazy. Like she herself realized that the story sounds well, nuts and it does. It sounds like completely crazy. Um, but she was clearly, unless she's an, an impressive actress. And I really don't think she is to be completely honest. <laughs> um, it seemed really shame. You see what you see. Yeah. That's she was very mm. shaken. So that is the hunting in Petersboro, Ontario. And uh, I'm going to say I'm going to go out on a limb here and be like, that's a little bit more than a ghosty ghost. I'm just saying. Yeah, that's an that's evil, evil spirit of something. And good work. for Rodney. Yeah. If that was actually Rodney in there, you know, and he was like, I'm going to protect them. Bending yeah. him off. Good yeah. for him. Good for him. Good ghost. See, this is why I fight and for Rodney, ghost And Rodney, if that's not your actual name, we're sorry. We're sorry. I think it is Rodney because I wrote Rodney on the back of the page that I have my notes on. So, But okay. I also wrote robot on okay. here for some reason, and I don't know why. <laughs> Rodney the robot. Rodney the robot. Maybe that's what I was thinking. <laughs> it was like, oh. <laughs> New mascot. That's awesome. That's it. Well, that was good. That was scary. Scary. <laughs> All right. Are we ready to travel back in time? Ready. Wait, is this an old story? This is like, it's it's an old, it's from the early 1900s, but the hauntings continue to this day. Ooh. Because of of something that happened in the early 1900s. And it's one of the scariest and creepiest murder stories that I have ever read. Um. Okay, so we're going to throw it back to a little town called Villisca, Iowa in the early 1900s. Um, Villisca, Iowa, even though it was a small town, it was actually a flourishing little town in the early 1900s. It was home to a train depot, which back then that that was like the main mode of transportation and getting goods from here to there and people and workers and stuff. There are about 2,500 residents in the town of Villisca, Iowa. And so our story begins on Sunday night, June 10th, 1912. Um, There was a family, um, the Moore family. The Moore family? It was Josiah and his wife, Sarah. 
Moore, M-O-O-R-E. Oh, I thought Moore. you said Morgan. I was like, okay, <laughs> no, that's not cool. Yeah. It was, uh, okay. So we've got Josiah and his wife, Sarah, and they have four children. Herman is 11. Mary Catherine is 10. Arthur is seven. And Paul is five. And the six, the family of six went to the Presbyterian church for a children's day program that night. And they got out around 930 and the family of six, along with two other little girls, um, Lena and Ina May from the Stillinger family went back to the Moore's house. They invited those two little girls to come over and spend the night with their family. So there's eight people. They go home to the Moore's house and the Moore family was pretty well off. They, uh, Josiah was a successful business owner. Um, they were well liked in the neighborhood. Um, you know, everybody kind of knew who they were. They knew their kids, whatever. Which obviously. And, uh, you right. never start a story so, where everybody knows everybody and have it turn out well. I know. <laughs> well, and this is just one of those little towns in Iowa, too, where everybody knows everybody. It's just one of those little, you know, it's just kind of how the the town was. So they go to the children's program. They get out around 930. They get home by about 10 o'clock. They walk home. Um, everything's good. Ina May and Lena Gertrude uh, spent the night. And the next morning, this is where... You get to be thankful for nosy neighbors. Oh, I'm always looking for that reason. <laughs> yeah. So there's this sweet little nosy neighbor named Mary Peckham. Um, she noticed the family was not up doing their chores like they normally are at oh. around 7 a.m. What? <laughs> which, well, it's Iowa. It's farm country. Know. Okay. So they had, they had chickens. They had a farm. They had a barn. They had all this stuff going on. Right. And like everybody would get up in the morning and tend to their farm and tend to their chickens. Right. And she was used to seeing the family out and about pretty early in the morning. And she noticed that nobody was up. Mm-hmm. So she got a little, you know, a little concerned mm-hmm. and uh, she went to the door, knocked on the door. Nobody answered. And she noticed the door was locked, which apparently was pretty unusual in this town. People just felt very comfortable leaving doors unlocked and it was locked. So she goes back home and she, Oh, first, this is kind of funny. Before she went back home, she let all of Josiah's chickens out and took care of that. Oh, well, I mean, <laughs> that's like, I got, she, I got you, girl. I got you, neighbor. Yeah. So she, she checks on all the chickens and then she goes and contacts Josiah's brother um, who has a copy of the house key. Right. So his brother Ross comes over and he unlocks the front door and he goes in. He tells, uh, he tells Mary to wait on the front porch and he'll check things out. He goes in. It's deathly quiet. Mm-hmm. And he notices right away that the windows and the mirrors had all been covered with like sheets and clothes and things. And he's like, this is really weird. It is weird. He goes into the guest bedroom downstairs. And as soon as he walks into the guest bedroom, he immediately leaves the house and tells Mary to find the police immediately. Because when he walks into the guest bedroom of the house, little Ina May, who was eight, and Lena Gertrude, who were 11, were dead in the bed. What? So, yes. So she leaves to go call the peace officer, whose name I love. His name is Hank Horton. <laughs> <laughs> Hank Horton? <laughs> Hank Horton. <laughs> That's how he says Horton, it. here's a who. Horton, here's a who. <laughs> Hi, I'm Hank Horton. I hear a who. I'm the peace officer. <laughs> who do I hear a who? <laughs> it's not a laughing matter, but it's just funny. I love his name. So anyway, he's the peace officer. So he comes over. The brother is like, I'm out. I'm not touching anything, whatever. 
Okay. Mm -hmm. So the peace officer comes in, goes into the house. He finds the two girls in the bed dead. He goes upstairs. He finds the other four children dead in their beds. And he finds Josiah and Sarah dead in their bed. Everybody's dead. Okay. What? All eight of them had been bludgeoned to death by an ax. What? By an, they were in the head. Bludgeoned by an ax. Bludgeoned to death. Yes. Every room in the house or every door in the house had been locked. Every window and mirror was completely covered in some cloth, whether it was clothing or sheet or whatever. Every mirror, every window. What? Every victim, all eight victims, had a piece of clothing laid over their faces. Um, it gets weirder. There's weird stuff going on. The murder weapon was Josiah's own axe that apparently had been picked up from the barn outside and brought in. And it was found in the guest bedroom, propped up against the wall, right next to a two-pound slab of raw bacon on the floor. What? Yeah. No idea. Okay. Do they have like a farmer? Feed? So they're. Well, here's the thing. This murder to this day, it's been over a hundred years. It's still unsolved. Still. Nobody has any idea who did this. Oh my gosh. And we'll get to that. Okay. So they found two spent cigarettes in the attic that suggested that the killer or killers waited. They got into the house and they waited for the family to come home and fall asleep. Um, they started in the master bedroom where Josiah and Sarah were sleeping. Josiah received more blows from the ax than any other victim. And he was the only one who they used the blade side of the ax on. Every other victim, it appeared, they used the blunt side of the ax. But every victim had been bludgeoned at least 15 to 20 times. Oh my god! So it wasn't like a once and you're done. Like they beat and beat and beat and beat all of all of these people. Six of them children. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Um, his Josiah's face had been cut to such an extent that his eyes were missing. <gasps> no. Ew. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um. So they used the blade of the axe on Josiah. The blunt end on the rest of the victims. In the way that it looked, because of different evidence, like there was a shoe that was Sarah's shoe that originally had been filled with blood. And they think that what happened is that the murderer went into Josiah and Sarah's house, hit them a few times. Josiah started to bleed into the shoe. Mm -hmm. They went and took care of all the kids, came back and continued to beat them because when they, when they found the shoe, it had been full of blood, but it had been tipped over. So they think that they returned back and continued to bludgeon Josiah and Sarah after they did it the first time. That's what it appeared. Okay. Um, okay. They, uh, da, 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 da. investigators believe that all of the victims, except for Lena, one of the little girls that was staying with them, she's the one that was um, uh, 11 years old. She was the oldest little girl. They think that everybody else was asleep when they were bludgeoned. And they think that she had just started to wake up because she had some defensive wounds on her arms. Mm -hmm. Um. And they also, this is really sad. They also, when they found her in her bed, her nightgown had been pushed above her waist Whoa. and her panties were missing. No. Yeah. So they don't know. They speculated that she was sexually molested, but they don't know because this was in 1912. They didn't right. really have a way to check that kind of stuff. Um, 
really sad. Really, really sad. Um, The ceiling fans and the ceiling had marks in them from where, from the upswing of the ax. So there's all these marks in the ceiling. And nobody woke up. Um, No, they went from room to room and just hit people. And I guess, I mean, when you hit somebody that hard with an ax, they die immediately. Oh, so he just went from bed to bed hitting people. Like there wasn't even time for these people to scream or anything. So like that. And the fact that like if you hit somebody hard enough one time with an ax, it kills them. And then you think of the fact that he beat these people 15 to 20 times each. And Josiah was hit probably 30 times. I mean, that's just, it, it's evil. That's what it is. Um Thousands of people attended the funeral and the National Guardsmen were actually called in just in case somebody decided to make an appearance that might be a suspect. Um, the funeral procession was 50 carriages long, which was unheard of back then. So it was like more than the entire town of Villisca attended their funeral. Right. Okay. Um, so some odd things. Um, we already talked about this, but the murder weapon was Josiah's axe. Uh it was found in the Stillinger girl's room and it appeared that somebody had made a feeble attempt to wipe the blood off. <laughs> um, there were no fingerprints anywhere. So they think that the guy or girl, whoever did it, the murderer was using, was wearing gloves. Um, let's see. Oh, and this is really creepy. The murderer apparently hung out for a while after committing the murders because they found a basin in the kitchen that had bloody water in it. Like he had washed himself off and they found a half eaten plate of food on the kitchen table. What? So, yeah. So he went around and categorically murdered eight people, propped up the freaking ax, put a two pound slab of raw bacon on the floor, which they still don't know what that meant. Have no idea. Um, Washed up, ate a meal, locked all the doors in the house and left. So weird. Yeah. Um, The crime scene was trampled with over 100 people coming in and out of the house. So the evidence linking anybody to the murders was really hard to come by. Right. Um, But they did have some suspects. So we're going to talk about the suspects. This one is the freakiest one to me, but I I don't think he did it. Right. But it's just, it's creepy. So there was a man named Reverend George Jacqueline Kelly. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, he was an English born traveling minister. He was in town the night of the murders, but hopped a train very early the next morning, like five 30 the next morning. Um, he was described as peculiar. He had a mental breakdown as an adolescent. Um, and as an adult, he was accused of peeping (laughs) and several times asking young women and girls to pose nude for him. Oh, um, so he was a creepy dude. I don't know how he became a reverend, but he was a creepy dude. Um, he was at the children's day services that the Moore family had attended. Um, and like I said, he left town the morning that the bodies were discovered. And it's alleged that when he got onto the train, um, he started talking about, um, dead bodies in the Moore family, eight victims. Like he's, that's alleged. Nobody can prove that he actually said any of those things, Mm -hmm. but it's alleged. Um, he, Let's see. Um, On August 31st, so two months, almost three months after the murder, he signed a confession saying God had whispered to him to, quote, suffer the children to come unto me. 
Oh. Um, he was tried twice. Yeah. He was tried twice. The first time it resulted in a hung jury. The second time he was acquitted. Um, they also suspected Frank Fernando Jones, who was a Villisca resident and the state senator of Iowa. <laughs> because apparently he and Josiah Moore worked together at one time. And then Josiah went on to um, own a very successful John Deere tractor dealership that was direct competition to the senator's business. Mm-hmm. Remember, this is Iowa. They're yeah. farmers. <laughs> he had a tractor business. Um, so they think that even if he didn't do it, that he had something to do with the murders. Right. And this is where the other uh, suspect comes in. And this is, in my opinion, who I think committed the murders. Um, I don't know, obviously, but and just, you know, anyway, his name is William Mansfield of Blue Island, Illinois. He was the prime suspect. Um, he, some say that Senator Jones hired him to kill the Moore family. He was a cocaine fiend and a serial killer. Oh, um, Yeah. So this one detective, he thought that Mansfield was responsible for not only the murders of the Moore family and the Stillinger girls, but also his own wife, an infant child, father-in-law and mother-in-law, um, two years after the Velisca murders. So they started finding these other murders that happened that were very similar to the way that the murders in the Moore family were taking place. The mirrors were covered. Um, it was with an axe, all this stuff that kind of linked them together. Um, there were also some axe murders in Paola, Kansas, four days before the Velisca murders and the murders of Jenny Peterson and Jenny Miller in Aurora, Colorado. So these were all kind of linked together. Right. Um, in each murder, the victims were hacked to death with, with an axe. The mirrors in the homes were covered. Um, there was a basin found where he had washed up in the kitchen every single time. Oh, he did. Um, however, however, uh, it went to a grand jury in 1916. Uh, he was arrested, brought to Montgomery County payroll records. However, provided an alibi that placed Mansfield in Illinois at the time of the murders. He was released for a lack of evidence and get this. He later won a lawsuit against the detective and was awarded $2,225. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that's disturbing. Um, yeah. Okay. So, you know, he did it. Yeah. There's actually a book. I think I was telling you about this the other day, but there's actually a book called the man on the train Mm -hmm. and it's about him. And it's about all these different murders that took place all along these towns, along the train tracks, like, along the route that the train takes that were all these ax murderers and stuff. And they think that it's all related, Um, but they don't know it's been over a hundred years and they can't prove it. So, so anyway, you've got this house that had this really brutal murder and it's, it's unsolved to this day. So of course there's some unsettled spirits, Right. right? It's, it's really creepy. The house has had several owners. People don't ever live there very long because they get scared and they leave. And it sat empty for a really long time. And then this cute little couple, the Lynn family, they bought the house and they decided to restore it back to the way that it was when the Moors lived there and make it a museum. Because it's a lot of the historical buildings in Villisca, Iowa have been torn down and they're trying to preserve some of that history. They own another historical building. And so they bought this one for really cheap. They restored it back. Like they took out the electricity. They like fully reverted it back to 1912. Um, original floors, like all this stuff. Um, and they set up the furniture to the way that it probably looked when the family lived there. 
Um, they even have like a basin that sits in the kitchen and they have the old heavy iron and they have all this, like, it looks like straight out of 1912 and now it's like part of the historical society. So it can't be torn down at this point. Um, okay. So some people have stayed there. They'll let you stay there alone. If you want, Erin. Well, that's so generous. (laughs) You can go stay, just spend the night and sleep in the bed of the dead children. Um, Seriously. Yeah. Like you can go sleep in the rooms where these, yeah. Okay. Um, so one of the most common things that is reported is the sound of children's voices. I mentioned on the first episode that I am terrified of child ghosts. Like that's terrifying to me. And these poor children were brutally massacred in their own beds in their home where you feel most comfortable and safe, right? right? They're, they were murdered and it's so sad And people hear these children all the time. And I've actually watched a few videos too, really creeped me out where the children are playing with toys. So a lot of people will bring gifts and toys and stuff for the kids when they go to visit this house. And I watched this one video where this girl is sitting on the floor in the kitchen and she's rolling a ball across the floor And, you know, normally if there's a slope in the floor, every time you roll it, the ball is going to take the same trajectory, right? It's going to go the same route. If it slopes down, it's going to roll down. If it slopes, whatever, it's going to follow any grooves in the floor whatever. This ball, she would roll it and it would stop and then it would like weeble wobble. And then it would go over here and it would go over there and it would take whatever path it wanted. And she did it over and over and over again. And every time she'd roll it, it would do something different. What? Um, there was another video that was, yeah, <laughs> it's really creepy. There were several videos of um, the closet door in the boys' room closing by itself and opening by itself. Um, and it's like there will be like a two-inch crack where the doors just open a couple inches. And they'll go, hey, Paul, who was one of the little boys, they'll say, hey, Paul, can you close that door for me? And it literally looks like somebody takes the doorknob from inside and just pulls it closed and it even latches and there's nothing touching it. It just closes. What? (laughs) And then they'll tell him to open it and he'll open it. There's another video in that same bedroom of, they had like one of those big bouncy balls you buy at Walmart or whatever. And it was literally just sitting on the floor, not being touched by anybody. And it started moving back and forth. (laughs) It didn't roll. It would just move back and forth. Like somebody had their hand on top of it and oh. they were just like kind of shifting it back. Like there's a lot of stuff. Um, okay. So a lot of people who have stayed there overnight, they wake in the middle of the night to sounds of children's voices where, where there's no children's children present. Um, they have a lot of really weird audio and video photographic evidence um, of like apparitions and orbs and all this stuff. Uh, tours have been cut short because of falling lamps, moving objects, banging sounds, and child's laughter. What? <laughs> um, they, a lot of people have reported that there have been items in the kitchen that just kind of get thrown off of the counter. Um, like the iron that I mentioned, it's one of those really heavy irons that back in the day, my mom has one. And back in the day, you have to like put it in the fire and you pull it out and it's really, really heavy. So it's not like you can just brush it off the thing, but that will just get like shoved really hard off of the sink and onto the floor. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of crazy stuff. This is really creepy. 
Um, there was this man, his name's Stephen Larson Jr. He was, he's 37 years old, or he was at the time of this. Um, he was there at the Velisca Axe murder house doing some paranormal investigating. And they ended up having to call an ambulance because he stabbed himself in the chest. What? Yeah. Why? I don't know. I couldn't find any evidence to say like why he did it. He, he just felt compelled to stab himself in the chest. Um, there is another story of, um, these two women who were younger. They were like teenagers when their family lived in that house. They didn't live there for very long. And they both separately told this same story. Their dad used to sharpen his knives, you know, on that little like sharpening block or whatever. And he did it all the time. And, they both said they remember him sitting in the kitchen one day. And as he's pulling the knife away from himself to sharpen it, it turns in his hand and he stabs himself in the hand. Like some unknown force pushed it into his hand. <sighs> yeah. Um, some people say a lot of women report being kissed on the cheek. I mean, that's not terrible. I guess. And a lot of men get kicked in the shin. So it's like little kids playing, right? right? Um, they also report a lot of people say that they smell sulfur in the house. That's the devil. Like really strong smell of sulfur. Yeah, it's the devil. It's evil. Um, let's see. Uh, on May 30th, 2014, there was a paranormal investigative team um, stayed in the house overnight. Um, a lot of them reported being grabbed on the arm and on the back of their legs and stuff. They also captured 16 EVPs in six minutes. What? Um, yeah. All kinds of stuff. Some of it was moaning. Some of it was laughing. They heard a couple of growls, like really deep growls, which are really terrifying. Um, but then some of it was actual like voices. And you can even hear where sometimes it sounds like somebody says Lena and somebody says Paul, which are two of the kids who were murdered in the house. Those two in particular seem to be the most active children in the house. Right. Like Paul is the one who'll open and close the doors, all that right. stuff. Um, they even have an impressive full spectrum video that, uh, has shows several different anomalies, including an unknown shadowy face complete with visible pupils, ears, and hair. <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh my gosh. Um, so one of the things that people do report regularly is, so I mentioned the train, like it's very near the train tracks there. And around two o'clock AM every day, a train comes through. Right. And apparently this riles up the spirits because people report when they stay overnight or they do these overnight investigations that shortly after 2 AM every single night, that's when things start to get really active. Right. Um, and they think that the killer used the sound of the train to kind of hide the sound of the murder. Oh. Um, so there's like residual effects right. from the actual event that happened after the train comes by. Um, they also, a lot of people have said that after that train passes, if you're standing outside the house looking in, you will see a fog or a mist appear in the master bedroom and it moves through the house as if it's the path the murderer took. Oh, well, that's nice. Yeah, it's heavy, man. Heavy, heavy stuff. Um, And it says, some people even say that once the fog dissipates, you'll hear the sound of dripping blood. (laughs) What does that sound like? (laughs) 
Yeah, it's really, really creepy. Yeah. I mean, because, well, like I told you, there was the shoe that filled up with blood. I mean, there was a lot of blood in this house. Um, One group of investigators did the spirit box and asked who was there. They heard Legion, which is a demon. And then one, one of them tried to leave the house and he stopped in his tracks. He said it felt like somebody was standing in front of him. And he felt like he'd been hit by a baseball bat. And then he had three scratch marks on his back that's, that formed the letter L. Nope. Um, yeah. And then there's the Williamson family. I talked about the girls whose dad stabbed himself in the hand. Um, people report seeing a little girl appear in the mirrors. And then there's sometimes also an unexplained mist that will just sit on the roof of the house or on the porch. What? Um, yeah, it's pretty creeptastic. I feel like and the actually, house needs torn down. I want to. <laughs> like, if you I know. Bad and there. Like, it's some bad juju, man. Yeah. It's not just the kids oh, or whatever. Like, it's ball. it's some seriously bad juju. Yeah. And there's actually a couple things that I'm gonna play, so you guys can hear. Oh God. Some of this stuff. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> you ready? No. <laughs> You're like, no. All right, here we go. Here's one of them. I don't know if you'll be able to hear it. Hold on. Do you like to talk to us? Did you hear it? What? That's the children's voices that they're hearing. Do you hear it? There were two people in the house when that was taken, and it was the man and the woman you heard at the beginning. That was it. There was nobody else in the house. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, Here's another one. Let me get to... Yeah. So that's children screaming. Here's. Yep. Um, this one, let me get to this one. It's, um, hold on. This one is, um, it was captured on a high eight video camera in the second floor children's bedroom. You won't be able to see it obviously, cause this is a podcast, but you'll be able to hear what's going on and hold on. Aaron, I'll screen share with you so you can see it. And I'll put this up in our Facebook group. Oh, no, this is the EVP. Okay. 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 Did you hear that? She says, hey, sweetie, can you close the door? And then you'll hear it. 
And you can hear the door shutting in the background. Like as soon as they say that, she says, do it again, Lena, do it again. And the door closes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, There's so many videos of the doors. Like a lot of it's the doors and it's mostly the closet in the kid's room. Um, Oh my God. The open and close. It's really freaking scary stuff. Like super, super scary. I've got some pictures that I'll post on our Instagram store our Instagram channel and I'll put them in the Facebook group too and some videos and stuff because there's just there's so much activity at this house it's insane it's just it's crazy crazy stuff um and it continues to do that but there's a lot of a lot of the door especially it's it's really freaky it's really really freaky um so yeah, this is this is oh one gosh. of the scariest houses that I've like. Just the it murder is. alone is terrifying, and the fact that it's never been solved is really scary. And then the fact that the children are still there, like, it's just heart. It's heartbreaking, and right. I don't know. It's like there's a lot of like the mediums and stuff who have been called in. They said it that is. it's like the um, there's something really evil that's keeping the children there from moving on. Um, so yeah, that's like, they report the mist and they report, you know, the name Legion coming up and all this stuff that's very evil. Um, um, but then you have the kids and they're playing with the doors and rolling balls around on the floor and yeah, whatever. It's just, yeah, there's even, uh, I read a report. I right. didn't write the names of stuff down for this one. Cause there's literally, there's so many stories about this house. It's just ridiculous. Cause it's so haunted, but there was this journalist professor i think that took a group of students with her to do an investigation of that house and she said that night before they went one of her students told her that she didn't want to go because she had a nightmare the night before and she's like it's fine like whatever and she um apparently in her nightmare she saw a doll in a bed turn its head and look at her and it freaked her out and then when they got to the house when they were giving when they were going through the tour of the house, she went up to one of the kids' bedrooms and that girl screamed bloody murder because it was exactly the bed, the bed sheets, the doll, and everything that was in her dream. She saw it all before she even got to the house. It's like, nope. Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. That house needs, oh, God. Yeah, I know. I mean, I think it's cool that these people are trying to preserve some of Velisca history, but at the same time, if it's evil, it's... It's not worth like some things are not meant right. preserved. I know it's it's pretty terrifying. Oh. So uh, that's the story oh. of the Velisca Axe Murder House. Oh, I'm terrified. <laughs> I've got like creepy crawlies in my spine now. Yeah, yeah, it's really scary. I mean, I know, and also I want to go roll the ball in that house. Like I have this simultaneous like this is horrible. Let's go play ball. I know, right? I w- because like if you think about it. If they're rolling a ball with people, if their children stuck in a house, they're lonely. Yeah. Well, that's why, like, when you go there, people, a lot of people will bring toys with them when they go for a tour of the house. Right. So it's almost like a peace offering oh to the children. But the fact that you can hear the screams and stuff on the EVP, I mean, that's, it's so scary to me. I, it's, yeah. I don't know. It's so sad and it's so scary and just, mm, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. It's awful. Yep. So there you wow. go. There's your creepiness today. 
downer. <laughs> well, these aren't meant to be like fun and upbeat <sighs> stories, are they? <laughs> no. Yes. You signed up for this. I signed up for it. Yeah. So uh, I'll put some of the EVPs in the recording so people can hear them because they're really creepy. Yeah. Um, That's terrifying. Yep. Field trip time. No, just kidding. (laughs) So there you go. So um, if you guys have any of your own, we would love for you to share your stories with us. We've had a couple people in the Facebook group mention stories. We're waiting on them to email. Like one girl said she has an angel story to share, which would be very cool. Um, yes. But yeah, you can email us. It's girls and ghouls podcast at gmail.com or you can pop into the Facebook group called Girls and Ghouls, Instagram account, Girls and Ghouls. We're girls and ghouls everywhere. Um, and share your story. And And, uh, if it's extra creepy or extra awesome, we'll read it on the air. Yeah. On air. Yeah. Live and not in color. Live and not in color. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So there you go. You guys. Just uh, listen to your gut. I think that's the moral of today. Like, yeah. if something creepy starts happening, just leave. Don't stick around. Just don't. Like, it doesn't matter. We don't need to. Even go. It's fine. We don't need we don't to stay for stuff be. like that. Like, and if you hear. You're a strong, independent person. You don't need no ghost man. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and if you start hearing children screaming and there's no kids around. Run. Yeah, that's just it. Moral of the story, run. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's it, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye.